Welcome to the Horizon Church Podcast. God is doing incredible things in Tampa. Learn more about us at horizontampabay.com. We hope you find today's message inspiring and encouraging. Let's dive in. Good morning. My name is Chris, and I'm one of the pastors here at Horizon, and it's great to have you in worship. As, as Erica said, if this is your first time here, we are just overjoyed that you have joined us this morning, and I, I give you another welcome. We are in week three of a series called Made for This. Uh, last week, we, we talked about that we were made to belong, not just to, to fit in, um, and this week, we are talking about that we were made for Mondays. Yeah, that's, yeah, you can giggle a little bit. Yeah, Mondays. Uh, this past Monday, as, as I was actually uh, beginning to think about uh, this message for today, uh, Eric and I had to go to a, a church meeting up in Central Florida. We drove up uh, 75 for a couple hours, and our, on our way back, we stopped for a late lunch in this uh, happening town of Bushnell. Uh, hopefully no one's from Bushnell. And uh, we stopped in at this restaurant, and we sat down. The waitress came over to take our, our drink orders, and Erica, in her polite southern way, you know, asked her how she was doing. And the waitress responded, well, it's Monday. And I was like, wow, that is a sermon in of itself. So th- this is idea that, that we kind of don't like Mondays is a, is a, is a real thing, right? Um, statistically speaking, Mondays... Uh, are a day filled with anxiety and dread for many of us. This anxiety actually starts, according to scientists, on Sunday night. Anxiety starts bubbling up on Sunday night. And that's, that Sunday night anxiety increases that we actually, on average, get 45 minutes less sleep on, from Sunday night to Monday morning than any other day of the week, right? Has that ever happened to you? Because I know it, it happens to me. That 45 minutes extra of sleep leads to then maybe a terrible Monday. Because I, I, this is probably the most startling statistic that I found is that after a terrible Monday, 37% of job ap- applications are turned in on Tuesday. So not only do you have a terrible Monday, you think about quitting your job, starting a new job, and you do that on Tuesday. And this anxiety, this dread, this fear of Mondays actually really does have some, some impacts on our health. Uh, of any day of the week, I found this to be probably the second most interesting thing about Mondays. Any day of the week, Mondays are the day that we actually weigh the most of any day of the week. How about that? Which then I think leads to this other fact that Mondays was reported to be the day that we actually feel the least attractive on Mondays of any day of the week also. And then this has like some actual serious effects on our health. For middle-aged men, Mondays were by far the highest day of heart attack rates. Mondays, the beginning of the week, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday actually had the highest rates of suicide of any days of the week. Mondays get us down, right? They get us down. But yet, I want to tell you today that you were made for Monday. You were made for work. Yet we live in a culture that, that celebrates Friday and the weekend, and we just try to tolerate and put up with Mondays. We were made for Mondays, though. And at best, maybe we just have mixed feelings about Mondays, but yet you were made for Monday. You were made 
not just to work for the weekend, but you were made to work for a Monday. And so today we're going to look at what it means to have a biblical perspective about our work, about being made for Monday, about how we live our lives being shaped by God, have our work shaped by God, have our attitudes around work shaped by a biblical perspective. And so we're going to start off today at the beginning of the scriptures and the story of creation because it's God. God works. God creates at the beginning. At the story of creation, God goes to work. God goes to designing, to creating, to working. And God makes out of nothing. God makes the moon and the stars to shine. God makes the land and the waters. God makes the mountains and the beaches. And at each step, God says it's good. The work that God has done is good. And God keeps creating, keeps working, and God creates the plants, creates the strawberries and the bananas, the roses. God creates the animals, the animals on the land and in the water. God creates deer and ducks and manatees and dolphins and slugs and everything in between. And God says, it is good. It is good. This work that I've done is good. And then God continues to work. God continues to work. And if you'll join me in Genesis chapter 2, we'll be starting at verse 7. If you've got your Bible with you, go ahead and open it up. If you've got it on your phone, feel free to pull it out. And it'll also be on the screen behind me. So Genesis chapter 2, verse 7. Then the Lord God formed a man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living being. Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden. And there he put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And then skipping down to verse 17. The Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to take care of it. We were created to create. Because that mirrors who God is. The God that goes to work and creates shapes us in that same image. And here's the thing. I, I think oftentimes we, we think about work, we, we skip ahead to chapter 3 of Genesis. Chapter 3 is, is, when, is, is that story that we often know well, right, of, of eating that fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat, and sin enters the world. Yet God says in chapter 2 that, that work is a, is a gift here. Work is good that we are to work and take care of the earth. Work is not a punishment for sin. Work is a gift from God. And our work is to care and to cultivate because that's who God is. God cares and cultivates. God, the God who creates, took nothingness and created order. And the whole earth here 
has become like that Garden of Eden. And it's God that then takes our job. So when we understand that, that our job is a gift from God, our work is a gift from God, God turns it into joy. Turns it into joy. Because God made work, and work was good at this point. And yes, sin does make our work difficult. Sin makes our work tough. But if Jesus is going to transform our lives, if Jesus is going to redeem our lives, all of our life has to be redeemed, which also means our work has to be redeemed. Our understanding around work, our attitude around work has to be redeemed. When we begin to see the good side of work, God is able to do things in our lives that we don't expect. The second thing about our work is, not only is our work from God, our work is for God. When we go to Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Whatever you do, whatever you do, do it for God's glory, right? Do it for God's glory. Don't do it for your boss, your supervisor, to impress someone else. Do it for God. Do it for the glory of God. Whatever it is you do, whether you're a barista, make a great latte. Whether you're an accountant, make sure all the lines add up right. Whether you're a doctor, care for people. Whether you're a teacher, care for your students and love on them. Whether you're a stay-at-home parent, love your kids and raise them upright. Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God, right? Do it for the glory of God. Because when we do it for the glory of God, that's how we honor God. That's how we honor God. I think if we hear nothing else, so often in our lives we, we think about what's next. I know I've been there. I've sat in an office and I've wondered what was going to be my next job. What was going to be my next step? What was going to be my next place? We live in a culture that says there's something else to do. There's something better. There's something better to do. And if you hear nothing else today, I hope you really hear this. What you're doing right now in your work is what you should be doing right now. There might be a time when God calls you from that work and calls you out to do something else, but right now, you are called to the place that you're at. You're called to the place you're at. And when we begin to understand that about our work, we begin to work as if we actually have a purpose and we're not just working for a paycheck. When we work for a paycheck, we forget that our work has purpose, that it has meaning, that you are called into this work for the right now. Yes, God might take you out of that and call you to something else later, but right now, God has called you to work hard. When we work with a purpose, we work hard at what we do. Because when we work hard, I believe it increases our influence in the workplace. When we work hard, other people begin to, to see what is it about this person? What is it? that they come in and they, they work hard every day, they work with joy, they work with excitement for what they do. And it, that influence is not necessary to stand on top of your desk on Tuesday morning after you had a great Monday and look out over the cubicles and start shouting, Jesus is Lord. But people begin to wonder, and you get to have an opportunity to share what is going on in your life. Why is it that you work with joy? 
And the second thing is we begin to work ethically. If you, if you don't know what that means, I'll, I'll sum it up this way. Jesus gives us a very clear understanding of what it means to work ethically. If your work is not loving God and loving your neighbor, you might need to do something else with your work. And lastly, when we, live with a, for, when we work for a purpose and not a paycheck, our work honors God. Our work honors God. When we lived in Nashville, I had a good friend named Chris. I, I liked him more than just his name was also Chris. Chris had recently got married. His wife was expecting. And he worked in finance in one of those big buildings downtown in Nashville. And Chris also, on top of that, worked as a uh, small group leader for a group of middle school boys. And at this point, you know that Chris is a saint. Because to sit in a small room with eight to ten middle school boys, that includes all of their, their, their colorful language, that includes their sights and their smells. Chris was an absolute saint to lead a group of middle school boys. And yet Chris led this group of boys and he went to work Monday through Friday And over and over again for working for this company for several years, he began to wonder why one of his colleagues there continued to get overlooked for a promotion. Someone that had great seniority, that delivered great performance, continued to get overlooked for a promotion. And the longer that Chris stayed there, the, the more he began to realize that this person was getting overlooked for a promotion in this company because of this person's sexuality. And Chris could no longer teach a group of middle school boys about the love of Jesus on a Sunday and go to work every Monday and see someone disrespected in that way. Chris began to realize if he wanted to live for a purpose and not a paycheck, these two things had to line up. And so Chris quit his job with his wife expecting and didn't know what his next step was. And I'm not saying tomorrow you need to go quit your job. <laughs> but Chris taught me, though, in that moment, that there's more things in the paycheck. The way we make our work matters to God. If we're going to honor God, our work has to line up with who God is. One of the things that we often do with our work is we create these, uh, this, this fake divide between secular and, and sacred work. Like you're probably sitting out there and you're like, Pastor, what you're doing up there is special. It's holy. Well, we're in a middle school, first off. And, and yes, I do spend my time working for the church, working in the church, but here's the thing, when you actually understand what the word secular means, it means without God. And I know that a God that is everywhere and in all things, when you go to work, God is there. You do not work in a secular place. God is present in your work. All work is sacred because God is already there. And here's the thing, yes, you might work in the marketplace where you're paid for your skills and your talents and your time. But you have gifts 
gifts that are probably best used in the marketplace because it's there that you get to wear a disguise as pastors and ministers for Jesus in the marketplace, using your skills to pastor and minister, to care for people, to show them the light, to ignite change in their life. You have an opportunity that Eric and I never have because you have skills that are great working in the marketplace. Because here's the thing, our everyday occupations, whatever it is you do, remember, do it for the glory of God. One of the, the prolific writers of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, Paul was known for, for starting churches all across the ancient world. Yet we also know from the scriptures that Paul was a tent maker. And I can only imagine that he made really nice tents. He made of them of great quality. He used his skills well. And he used that job for the work of the church. To be able to send people to ministry. To be able to go himself to different places to share Jesus. He used his work for the glory of God. His hands, what he did, his labors. You all are ministers in the marketplace in your work. Never forget that. And lastly, I know I've encouraged you to work hard, but here's the thing. You were made for just more than just Mondays. You also were made for a Tuesday, a Wednesday, a Thursday, and a Friday. Work is a part of our lives. You were made for work, and that is that you were just made for work to be a part of our lives, right? The other day, we, we took a trip to, to Fort DeSoto Park, and the beach there just has some amazing seashells. Like, I've never seen, I don't know if it was just the way the tides are, or if that place always has such amazing seashells. Like, the beach was just lined with the most beautiful seashells, and they were, like, whole. They weren't, like, all crushed, and, um, you, like, they were, like, the kinds you want to, like, take home. And our daughter, uh, who's two, was just having a field day picking up these uh, seashells, these long, kind of skinny spiral-style ones. And she had quite an eye for them. And she would just see them, like, and start grabbing them. And all of a sudden, she, she was going along the beach, picking them up. And she had two handfuls of them, right? And I'm like, er I'm like, Erica, go get, like, a bucket. Like, put them in it for Emma. Like, so she can take them and keep collecting some more. And all of a sudden, this is what Emma does. She's walking along. She spots something that's not one of those types of shells. Like, I think it's literally, like, a half piece of, like, a sand dollar. Opens both hands and drops the really pretty shells that she had been collecting for the last five minutes. Just drops them. And I'm like wanting to like go behind her and like start picking them up for her, right? And being a good parent here and like getting the bucket and collect, saving them for her. And she drops them all to pick up this broken piece of a sand dollar. A broken piece of a sand dollar. And I was like, Emma gets it, right? Emma gets it in this moment. There's so many good things in our lives. We work hard and we just keep picking up things, right? We keep picking up things and we... When our hands get full, we start putting things in our pockets. And when our pockets get full, we might get a backpack. I'm not going to get a backpack with a bunch of bricks today and walk around because my back is already sore. But do we do that, right? We, we, we start carrying things around with us. And we keep collecting more. And we keep saying yes to one more thing and one more thing and one more thing. And to work the way that God calls us to work, we've got to say no to some really good things sometimes. We've got to say no. 
because you were made to work, and work is only supposed to be part of our lives. It's not supposed to be our entire life. At the beginning of the book of Mark, right in the first chapter of Mark, Jesus heals a man, and Jesus tells the man, hey, don't tell anyone I just healed you. And this man that was just healed goes and does what every one of us does, right? We, we don't listen to Jesus. We think we got it figured out. And he starts going around and telling everyone in the village, every one of his friends, hey, Jesus just healed me. You should go talk to him. And all of a sudden now Jesus is getting just mobbed. People are pressing in, wanting Jesus to heal him. And Jesus recognizes this in this moment. Healing's a really good thing. I want to be about healing people. But it can't be all of who I am in this moment. I've got to take a step back. And so Jesus goes away to pray, to connect with God. How many of us, when, when someone asks us to do something, someone gives us an opportunity, how many of us actually take time and step back, withdraw, think about what's going on, pray about it, right? Jesus took a moment right here because he knew if he was going to be any good to anyone, he had to take a pause. He had to say no to something that was good. Or maybe this morning you find yourself on the other end of the spectrum. You're just drifting through life, and you've not taken the time to look down and even pick up anything, right? You're just drifting through. You're floating through empty-handed. And today is an opportunity to, to pick up something, what is it that God is calling you to pick up in your work? To take up something. And so your challenge for this week is to take God to work with you. Take God to work with you. Do your work for God's glory. Do it for the good of all people. Do it for the redemption of the world, right? That's what our work is to be about. Going back to Genesis, our work is to care for the world to cultivate it, to care for it, to love it. Would you pray with me? God of grace and peace, this morning we confess that we don't really like Mondays. Just saying the word makes us stressed and anxious. We pray today that you would calm those fears. Give us a great joy to work transform our, our understanding of it, our experience of it this week. God, we pray this morning that your spirit would remind us that we have a purpose when we work. That purpose is to glorify you, to care for this world, to care for our neighbors. God, if, if we're just carrying too much with us, we've said yes to too much work. We pray this morning Show us how to say no, to take a step back, to withdraw. That it's there, we'll find that joy that is in you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. On the night before Jesus gave himself up for us, on the night before he did the most important work that he did, die on a cross and raise again, he joined in an upper room on the night before this happened. Thank you for listening to the Horizon Church Podcast. If you are in the Tampa area, consider joining us one Sunday. 
You can also be a part of shining light and igniting change by financially supporting the ministries of Horizon Church at horizontampabay.com giving. Thank you again for joining us